the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. going on everybody it's another algatulo craft beer cast on am 970 the answer and let me tell you something when i say we have a jam-packed show tonight we have a jam-packed show tonight so originally we were only supposed to have one guest but we're gonna have two and i will get to that in just a second little van halen and summer nights from the 5150 album i want to mention this because we had greg renoff on a couple of weeks ago and it was an interview that i had taped before the announcement that david lee roth had made to say that he'd be willing to join the tour. And then, it, you know, obviously it's the Internet and everything starts going crazy. So Sammy Hagar, in two interviews, one with Howard Stern and one with Eddie Trunk, said that um, if they were in a particular city and Alex wanted to jump on stage or DLR wanted to jump on stage or Wolfgang or whatever, Gary Sharon, they'd be welcome. He never said he'd want to tour with them. So Roth, of course takes it to mean like he's going to join the tour. And Sammy said, been there, done that with the guy. would never do that again. But if he wants to come up for a song, you know, that's fine. And the internet went crazy. Oh, Sammy's backpedaling, he's this, he's that. He never said that DLR, people really have to listen to what people say. He never said that, yeah, he could join the tour. He just said, yeah, he could get up and do a song. So, and the odds of DLR being in the audience for any of those shows is slim to none. So, Let's leave it at that, okay, people? I just want to make that clarification. All right. Coming up in 10 minutes, Jan Chodowski, the head brewer at our mutual friend brewing, is going to join me. OMF celebrating 11 years next weekend. We're going to talk all about the brewery, what their plans are, and so much more, especially the bottle releases. We'll get to that in a minute. That happens in 10 minutes. In 20 minutes, and for the final two segments of the show, Scott Wells at Bolero Snort joins me. A lot to talk about. New Jersey Beer Build, the Guilds, a lot of other stuff. We have some things to discuss. We'll do that from Bolero Snort uh, for the final two segments of the show, uh, an interview that I taped this past Wednesday. Uh, it is a crazy time in New Jersey. And speaking of which, so Governor Murphy uh, conditionally vetoed the bill. We talked about that. But now there's uh, comments from both ends. So Scott, Scott Wells from Bolero Snort, said this to Brubaum. He said the political nature of the way that this drama has played out is that significantly less bars and liquor stores are supporting New Jersey breweries and thus are supporting our competitors from out of state. Competitors from out of state are able to make more money in their own tasting rooms by nature of having more favorable laws. Then they're able to use that additional capital to market against us in our events, very densely populated home state. He is not wrong there. 
We had a discussion at Tap House 15 last weekend, which, by the way, great event. It'll be a couple weeks before I review it, but what a fantastic event. Great time. But Scott and I had a discussion about this, and we'll talk more about it um, you know, coming up in about 20 minutes from now. But he's 100% right. These out-of-state breweries are able to come in, and I've seen it. Uh, just at my local place at Paragon Tap and Table, yes, there are Jersey beers on tap, but not as many as there once were. There are a lot more national brands. And why? Because they carry the cloud of distributors and other things that help them to get on tap lines. That's a problem. Senate President Nick Scutari, the Monday before last, basically suggested his chamber won't agree with Governor Murphy's top lame duck session or one of his top lame duck session priorities on liquor license reform. When asked by Politico if the Senate would concur with the governor's conditional veto on a bill that would lift restrictions for breweries in the state, Scutari said, no, I don't think so. I think it needs a lot of work. Uh, I think we're going to continue with the administration and see if it's an issue we can come to grips with. We're not there yet. It's a complicated issue. Hundreds of years of regulations to try and get done in a few weeks is going to be tough. He's right. I don't think they have. Now, all the governor wants is this pocket license uh, lifted, that if you don't use your license in a certain amount of time, you have to give it up. I don't think they're going to agree to it. Now, I've heard there have been discussions for months, um, but nothing has been resolved of it. And this is a major problem. And if this bill dies, this affects the breweries directly. This bill should not be tied with liquor license reform. They're two entirely separate issues. I don't think the governor seems to understand that. I think he understands it from a perspective of, well, if we don't do this, it's going to go away. That's not necessarily the case. But this is not something that the... the um, the legislature is going to want to bring up. They don't. There's too much lobbying. There's too much money involved to be lost. That's the problem. And I don't know if the governor really sees that. And then, just in time for the holidays, Instacart announcing it's able to deliver holiday cheer to homes across New Jersey from the nearest Wegmans food markets. The company recently won approval from the state's Division of Alcohol Beverage Control to provide delivery service for for Wegman stores. Instacart currently delivers alcohol in 27 other states, as well as our nation's capital. Earlier this month, DoorDash was granted permission to provide alcohol delivery in New Jersey. So again, more competition, because there's no guarantee that when this bill goes through, and if I'm not mistaken, home delivery would stop if this bill is signed. And we'll, we'll clarify that with Scott. I just want to make sure on that one. But home delivery would stop. So now you can only get it through... You know, Instagram, uh, Instagram, uh, Instacart, and DoorDash. And they're not servicing breweries. They're just servicing, you know, Wegmans. Now, I don't know what uh, DoorDash does. I don't know if they go to if they would go to a brewery. But again, this would be a problem. All right, let's uh, take it out to Colorado, uh, where um, Ska Brewing in uh, Durango, re- returning a great holiday release. It debuted in 2022, marking a decade of the brewery's seasonal stout experimentation. This one... Uh, made in Durango by the Animus Chocolate Company, white, uh, peppermint bar, actual peppermint bark, white chocolate, dark chocolate, and candy canes. Scott Peppermint Bark Stout, a 7.5% holiday pleaser that deserves a place in anybody's Christmas stocking. Uh, peppermint Bark was invented by William Sonoma in 1998, said Scott Brewing co-founder and CEO Dave Thibodeau. And turns out we opened the brewery before Peppermint Bark was officially a thing, but the chocolate and candy cane combination goes back as long as most of us can remember. Sounds sounds good. I've had some Peppermint Bark um, type of beers. Good stuff. And then finally, our friends at OMF will be talking to Jan in just a couple of minutes. They're celebrating 11 years of business 
Saturday, December 16th from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's at their tap room, 2810 Larimer Street in Denver. And to honor this momentous occasion, now listen to this. First 100 people limit one per person to order a beer. On the day of the anniversary, uh, anniversary, we'll receive a commemorative tasting glass. Additionally, the brewery will debut several specialty releases, including a collaboration with Weldworks Brewing. These anniversary beers will be available on December 16th. Year 11, it's a Belgian-style golden strong ale, aged in Caraco-finished Laws whiskey barrels, available in 375-milliliter bottles and on draft. This is a birthday IPA. It's a hazy, hopped with Azaka, Eldorado, and Strata hops. It's available in 16-ounce cans and on draft. Base Glamp. This is the collab with uh, Weldworks. A smoked stout with marshmallow with troubadour malt, smoked using media noche barrels, available in 16-ounce cans and on draft. And, of course, the re- return of Storgesol, the Norwegian-style ale made with barley that has grown and malted by Colorado Malting Company that is then smoked over European-sourced alderwood. It's available in 12-ounce cans and on draft. All four of those beers will be available on December 16th, that you can check out uh, from our mutual friend Brewing. And when we come back, after a short break, Jan Chodowski, the head brewer of OMF, is going to join me to talk all about the uh, anniversary. Uh, I loved what Single Cut did. They turned it up to 11. They released a whole bunch of things around Spinal Tap, which, by the way, if you're a Spinal Tap fan, you'll be happy to hear there's a sequel in the works. Rob Reiner's going to be directing it. It starts filming next year. That's very cool. Uh, and then in 20 minutes... Or just about, I don't know, 15, whatever it is. Uh, Scott Wells at Bolero Snort is going to join me for the final two segments of the program. And boy, from Bolero Snort, we'll be at the brewery. Um, and boy, do we have a lot to talk about. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. <laughs> Oh, we're rolling with it right here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And boy, it is a busy show. We've got uh, our first guest coming up here, and then uh, two segments at Bolero Snort uh, brewing with Scott Wells because there is so much going on with the New Jersey beer stuff that we really need two segments with Scott to cover it all because it is just absolute insanity. But first, my next guest, the head brewer, and he's co-owner of a fantastic brewery in Denver, Colorado. These guys... Pumping out beer since 2012. Next weekend, they're going to be celebrating 11 years in business, which is awesome. For more info on the brewery and their tap room, you just go to buyomfbeer.com. Let me welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer, Jan Chodowski. Jan, how are you? I'm good, Al. Thanks for having me. You got it. Congrats on 11 years. What's the mood around the brewery as you guys get ready to celebrate next weekend? You know what? We're really, we're really just really excited. Yeah, we've got a lot of fun offerings for uh, our anniversary Saturday, mm. and uh, yeah, we're just all really stoked on it because uh, yeah, having some fun beers released. Just uh, looking forward to seeing a lot of friends and uh, having some beers with people. And we'll get to those beers in a minute. But looking back on just this past year, is there one moment that stands out as a memorable moment? Maybe a beer that came out just right, or just something that happened. That sort of stands out as the, as a, as a great moment for the entire year. Yeah, there was there was a big one from uh, the brewing side of everything. It, this was the first year we actually got to go out to Yakima and select uh, some hops. So 
that was a big uh, career milestone for us and the brewery to finally do it, you know, 10, 10 11 years in. Right. So and, and that, that was uh, pretty cool. So yeah. for those that for those that aren't aware of that, going to Yakima to, to actually get the fresh hops, get on a plane and come back, that's a big deal. A lot of bigger breweries do that. This is the first year that you guys were able to do that. Tell me how that trip went. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. You know, we were able to work with um, Yakima Chief uh, Hops to be able to select our Citra, Mosaic, and uh, Simcoe. And so, yeah, you, 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 we flew into Portland, Oregon, and then you take the drive out from Hood River. It's gorgeous. And then you end up in this beautiful growing valley in Yakima. And then so you go to these hop suppliers and, and you go through, you know, different lots and, you know, do your best to pick out what um, you think are the best hops of, you know, each variety and uh, what will work best within the beers that you're going to brew. So it was just hopefully, you know, uh, a good thing that will help us improve our quality of beer. Sounds good. We're talking with head brewer Jan Chodowski from our mutual friend Brewing. They're celebrating 11 years as a brewery on Saturday, December 16th from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's at their tap room, 2810 Larimer Drive in Denver, Colorado. For more info on the brewery and their tap room, you just head over to buyomfbeer.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And you have something special for the first 100 people that buy a beer at the brewery this coming Saturday. Not only do they get to drink a beer, they get something to take home with them, which is what, Jan? Yeah, they're, they're, uh, the first 100 people who come in you know, uh, and buy a beer from us are going to get a, a free uh, uh, year 11 uh, tasting glass. So that'll just come you know, free when you get your first beer. Nice, yeah. nice. And you got a couple yeah. of other beers that are being released for this 11-year anniversary, one of which happens to be a collaboration with Weldworks, a big boozy beer that's smoked, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, so uh, it's called Glampfire, and it's actually a smoked stout, and then uh, smoked stout with marshmallows. So, and then we uh, smoked the uh, barley with their um, Media Noche barrel stage. Oh wow! The so Media Noche is their like really famous imperial barrel aged stout. Oh yeah! And so we use those barrel barrel stage to smoke that malt, and then we brewed with that, and then we uh, added marshmallow to it as well. So it's got this like incredible like s'mores like quality to it it's right. just really really awesome so you're really yeah. trying to capture the whole essence of a s'mores because uh, you know obviously people have done s'mores beers as pastry stouts before but you don't really get that smokiness of the fire as you're putting the marshmallow in to right. charge so yeah, that's, that's essentially what you're going for yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly. cool that's cool. Talk about yeah, it's bro- got a really awesome balance it's not too smoky at all it's, it's delicious so it's more approachable than anything else Yes, absolutely. All right. We're talking with head brewer Jan Chodowski from our mutual friend Brewing. They're celebrating 11 years as a brewery Saturday, December 16th from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. It's at their tap room at 2810 Larimer Street in Denver, Colorado. For more info on the brewery and their tap room, you just head over to buyomfbeer.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And, of course, Storgesol is back, uh, you know, this year. When you make this smoked beer, Jan... (laughs) Do you do anything yeah. different year to year, or is it always the same recipe? It is the same recipe every year, but there is variations in, you know, how, how you know, like the smoke malt comes out, you know, because it's uh, really just a really, like, artisan craft to make that malt. And so there is slight variation. Some years it's slightly smokier, some years it's less. But other than, you know, like, we're just using the one Shittishul malt and then, you know, a little bit of hops, which is the same amount every year, and fermenting it with the same yeast. It's the same recipe. But year to year, there's slight variations. This year is maybe uh, slightly more uh, balanced 
than maybe last year, where last year I feel like we were getting a huge smoky Alderwood smoke punch, and this year is maybe a little more balanced. But also, I could be just used to drinking it all these years. So. Right, right. That <laughs> could that could be it. Yeah, yeah. And now I want to I want to circle back to the uh, the Yakima hops experience for a second. For those yeah. you know, for those that are unaware, when you're ordering hops from a manufacturer, if you're not growing your own and you're ordering it from a you know from a st- from wherever it is, whether it's Yakima or somebody else. Um, you don't know exactly what you're getting. You know you're getting this particular hop, but you don't know how it was grown. It could be, you know, the the, the batch that you get is not as good as the last batch that you got from them. This is a much more personal experience in, in, you know, picking out those certain things and smelling the different varietals uh, of hops, right? Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, if you're not contracting hops, you're generally just buying on the open spot market, and you're kind of getting what you get. Uh, you can, you know, set the parameters for your alpha acids and stuff like that. But you don't know which farm it came from. You don't know what lot from which farm it came from. And so in selecting our hops, you know, we're getting, you know, the utmost control in uh, what we are getting. And also that creates a huge amount of consistency because we're buying, you know, essentially a whole lot or a portion of a whole lot to uh, for, for, for our for our hoppy beers. So it. yeah, yeah. It's just it just gives us so much more consistency and hopefully even better quality. Yeah. All right. And so last question for me, Jim, with grain prices up and let's face it, lots of ingredients are much more expensive over the last year uh, or so. Does that make it more difficult to make certain beers? You know what? We've always been a, um, a huge proponent of buying craft malt, and so we were used to paying a lot for malt already. So it didn't affect us in a way it might affect people buying, you know, like malt from larger maltsters. Um, so it, 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 it's something, you know, we definitely look at. We look at our cost of goods, <laughs> you know, right. for sure. But it, it, didn't, it didn't hit us as hard as maybe some other people did with, like, you know, importing, you know, fireman malt, importing, like, fireman malt from Germany or, or, or British malt, where those, you did see those price increases, mm. um, which definitely would sting for sure, you know. Like, that's, uh, they were, the, the price increases... You know, you couldn't ignore that. So no, uh, but if you're if you're but, planning far yeah. enough in advance, you can sort of budget out where it's going to be. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You're able to do that for sure. Um, and and like I said, you know, we're huge supporters of craft malt. All our base malt is grown and malted in Colorado, mm. and so um, we we were used to paying a higher premium, so it didn't hurt us that much. And also, you know, we didn't really see as much of a price increase as maybe other breweries. Got it. My guest has been head brewer Jan Shadowski from our mutual friend Brewing, celebrating 11 years as a brewery. That's taking place this coming Saturday, December 16th from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. at their tap room, 2810 Larimer Street in Denver, Colorado. For more info on the brewery and their tap room, just go to buyomfbeer.com. Jan, congratulations on 11 years. That is awesome. And thank you again so much for joining me tonight. All the best, sir. Uh, Thanks for having me, Al. You got it. Up next... Scott Wells from Bolero Snort from the brewery. Two segments. We got a lot to talk about about New Jersey beer and the restrictions and all kinds of other stuff that's going on, and maybe some surprises as well. That's coming up next on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer, and we are coming to you from Bolero Snort Brewing in the offices of Bolero Snort Brewing. Last time I was with Scott Wells, we were in the actual brewery where all the Action was happening. Really, there was no action. It was just Scott pouring a beer for a uh, TV interview. But anyway, he is an old friend of the show. Uh, no, I don't want a beer. I'm good for right now. 
But see, I knew you were going to ask that. Uh, he's an old friend of the show, his brewery, along with other great breweries across the Garden State. I've been trying to change things in Trenton. They got it done, but the governor has now conditionally vetoed the bill, sent it back to a lame duck legislature that has roughly three weeks to make the changes that he wants, which is essentially pocket licenses. We'll get to that in a second. Bolerosnort.com, that's the brewery website for info on how to get your beer fixed here in beautiful Carlstadt, New Jersey. I mean, welcome back to the Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer is Scott Wells. Scott, how are you? I'm great, Al. First time, long time. How are you? <laughs> Very nice. Let's talk about the Giants. No. Um, but let's get right to it. The governor conditionally vetoes the bill. He sends it back to the legislature because he felt it didn't do enough to change the liquor license laws. Why, in your opinion, is he trying to lump one thing in with the other? As, as we know, Phil Murphy really wants to overhaul the entire system, which is antiquated and, and based on you know, prohibition age uh, laws and regulations. So we get it and we, we appreciate that. But the popularity surrounding reform is really based on the grassroots efforts by the breweries. So the, the, the constituency really has rallied around modernizing the rules that the breweries exist under, even though those rules were created entirely by Phil Murphy's administration. Um, so this bill that we put together and we've been working on now for a year and a half and really fighting these 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 rules for five years now, um, this bill was designed to just scale the clock back to the rules that we worked under until 2018 when this administration imposed new rules upon us. Um, the governor is now trying to use our popularity to try to force through other much-needed reforms. And we, we do understand that they are needed and critical to other uh, other businesses. But right now, the breweries are being held hostage where our bill apparently will not go through unless the legislature agrees to support other Murphy reforms. The crazy part is the conditional veto of the bill um, – was very much scaled down from Murphy's initial proposal. It's it's watered down. There's not a lot of teeth to it. It's clear that the governor had to back off of a lot of what he wanted to achieve. But even with this this pared-down version of reform, the legislature's still not going for it. So now the legislature's signaling they're not going to sign off on the CV. They're not going to concur with it, which means the clock is going to tick midnight and the brewery rules go back into effect and we have no relief in sight. Right. And what ends up happening, if this doesn't get done, the bill dies, and you guys have to start this process all over again, right? So the, the, the conversations are really surrounded around, are we willing to go and put the same bill back together and work on this again next year? And what, unfortunately, politicians don't realize is this has been a great expense to us in terms of time. We've been working on this for five years. We spent years you know kind of negotiating with the state's abc um and that got us nowhere and then we spent years of time and money and lobbying power to get this to where it is we're not politicians this isn't what we do for a living this is a distraction from from operating our own businesses and we're being forced into this political arena that we never should have been involved in in the first place um the idea that the government's trying to remove the restrictions and remove the barricades from us has really turned around, and it's it, it's now it's almost like the brewers are being told you need to go and be the cheerleaders for this greater reform, even though the people that are against the reform are the same bars and restaurants and liquor stores that we survive by selling beer too. 
So this has created an adversarial atmosphere where our customers, the bars and the stores, are mad at us because the government isn't removing the restrictions from us. So now the climate in New Jersey is it is more difficult than ever to sell your beer through distribution, but also we're not going to be able to sell in our tasting rooms four weeks from now because we're going to go back to an environment that isn't welcoming to customers. So we can't sell it here and we can't sell it there. And now the government is at fault for the whole thing. Right. I mean, it's crazy. And a bill, by the way, for those of you who haven't listened to the show in the last six months, that passed unanimously in both houses, which is very rare to do uh, in Trenton. We're talking with Scott Wells, co-owner of Bolero Snort Brewery located in Carlstadt, New Jersey. For more info on Bolero, head over to bolerosnort.com. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Now, recently, DoorDash was given approval to deliver alcohol to New Jersey households. And last week, Instacart is able to do the same thing through Wegmans. How does this affect your business? Unfortunately, this is going to impact the business by making it more readily available for out-of-state products to get into your hands and into your homes. Because these are ways that distribution products, which largely favor our out-of-state competitors, um, now have more means of finding their ways to you. So the state has shown the interest and ability to create special rulings by avoiding going to the legislature and creating new laws that favor one aspect of the industry or the other. So we've seen special rulings in the past year that have allowed golf courses to get permits to sell alcohol basically overnight. Um, Instacart and DoorDash to be able to get distribution beer from stores, not from breweries, but from stores specifically into your hands. Um, Right down to a special ruling last week that allowed a distributor in New Jersey that was going out of business to circumvent the rules on a prohibition of selling certain products in the state for 12 months, largely at the detriment of local manufacturing. So the the ABC is quick to put in rules that they view as favorable to businesses when those businesses aren't the breweries. But when the breweries need help, we have to go seek legislative efforts, which we've done succeeded with but still cannot get actual relief and essentially if i'm a person who let's say i go to instacart and i go to the wegman's website and i look and i see bolero snort i can buy your beer at wegman's and have it shipped to me sent right to my door you get a piece of that but it's not the same thing as if you were home delivering it to somebody or if i actually went to the brewery and bought the beer itself and that's correct, but you're also you're speaking about Polaro, which we're, we're fortunate enough to be able to have our products in those stores, right. where Wegmans, which is um, a, a great proponent of local brewing and quality beer, Wegmans still only carries a small portion of breweries in New Jersey. So when you're 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 trying to get an order from home, and you're going to Wegmans or these other DoorDash companies, you're limited to product that they have selected to purchase for their stores which is going to largely reflect probably 90 to 95% products that were made outside of New Jersey. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, trust me, I'm, I'm thrilled with the fact that you go to Wegmans and buy my beer, but that's not the case for probably 125 or more of the 141 breweries in New Jersey. Right. So uh, Devil's Creek, uh, just uh, on Tuesday, we're taping this interview on Wednesday, just on Tuesday, Devil's Creek uh, has announced this weekend is their last weekend in business. They're going out of business. Another Jersey brewery bites the dust. Senator Scuteri has basically said they have no interest in bringing this bill uh, back up and with the conditions that the governor is asking for. And essentially what the governor is asking for is for pocket licenses. So 
for those that, I, I mean, as far as I understand it, a pocket license, somebody that has a liquor license, maybe they have sat on it for a while, they uh, haven't used it. So basically what he wants to do is, if you're not going to use it within a certain period of time, you need to either sell it or you need to give it up and give it back to the town uh, that you got it in, which I don't disagree with him on that. But again, what that what he's asking for and what you guys are asking for are two entirely separate things. Is there anything that you guys can do uh, to to move this along, you know, to try and get the legislature to, to say, hey, we'll, we'll agree to these things? I mean, at this point, my optimism has really run out. Uh, the pocket license aspect of this has really grown kind of comical because the the requirement to return pocket licenses into the pool already exists in regulation. Um, there, there's a process that you have to go through to not lose your license, but there are, there are people that have owned and held pocket licenses for decades at this point, and it's used for speculation. It's, it's an asset that appreciates, so they don't want to give those up. And in many cases, pocket licenses are held specifically to eliminate competition within communities, where you might own two licenses in town with only one in use, which eliminates someone else from getting a license to compete against you. We have existing regulations on the books that keep that from happening, but those regulations haven't been enforced. So I'm kind of at a loss to understand why we're not just enforcing the existing regulations versus putting a law in place tied to a brewery law that they're really separate issues. Right, because you you can't sell hard liquor. So what difference does it make if there's a pocket license in effect for a brewery or not? You have to purchase a separate license that's less than what a liquor license is, but all you can do is brew beer. The The title of my license is a limited right. license. The reason why it's limited, we are very limited in what we're able to sell. We can only sell malt beverages that are manufactured within our buildings. We don't have the ability to sell other beer, wine, spirits, food, any of the other things. So our the, the bill at, at, at hand here addresses events and food and merchandise and other things that really have nothing to do with alcohol the limitation that we see right now is we can't compete against a bar you can't come here and get a beer and a shot you can't get a glass of wine you can't get most other things we're not competing with bars at all we're a very different subset of business and the idea of operating a tasting room in a brewery is to introduce customers to the products that we make and familiarize them to those products because then it's easier for them to go and buy those exact same products at the licensed bars. So without the ability for us to really encourage that, we were going to continue to lose out to these other breweries from out of state. And the, the point that I, I've been kind of harping on, five of the largest 25 craft breweries in the entire country exist within about a half hour's drive of New Jersey. But there isn't a single brewery in New Jersey that's within the top 50 in production. Those breweries are able to compete against us because they're allowed to have events and food and all these other crazy things in their breweries where they make money. And they use that to market against us in our own densely populated state. So we're at a disadvantage to compete against them in our home state. So if you want to have that great brewery experience that most of the country enjoys, where you get to go and hang out at a brewery and sit down and enjoy a beer or maybe a slice of pizza or a burger from a food truck and listen to some live music, and you live in New Jersey, I've got great news for you. You can do that in about 45 minutes. Anyone who lives in New Jersey is about 45 minutes away from that experience. They just have to cross a border into Pennsylvania, Delaware, or New York to get it. they got to take their money with them. Yeah. It's awful. It's an awful uh, way to do business. All right. Uh, Scott Wells is with me here at Bolero Snort Brewery. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back for uh, part two. We're going to have uh, we're going to talk about some other things that are going on 
uh, in the state of New Jersey. Some good news stuff. Let's you know it's the holidays are approaching. We've got some good news stuff to talk about. We'll do that next on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer. We're coming to you from Bolero Snort Brewery, located in Crossstat, New Jersey. And Scott Wells rejoins me. So last time I was here, Scott, I asked you about the two guilds in New Jersey, Brewers Guild of New Jersey and the New Jersey Brewers Association. And I asked you about the possibility of merging and becoming one guild again. You have an announcement to make here, so let us make it. What did I tell you last time? I don't. I don't remember. Did I? Did I give anything up then? Uh, you. You said there. You know, we're we're talking, and you essentially said, "I have kept the Brewers Association involved in all of the stuff that's going on. Uh, we would love to maybe get together back back together again one day, but uh, you know, we don't know if that's going to happen. So." Yeah, I mean, the, the existence of two separate organizations really had more to do with the idea of different priorities, um, which I personally don't think ever really existed. Um, there, there was the, the sentiment of one group kind of representing the smaller breweries and one, one group representing the larger breweries, but that wasn't really the case. So going through this whole political nonsense that we've dealt with for the last year and a half, we have been working together hand in hand, and... Um, you know, it, it, it took some very calm, cool conversations between everyone. I, I really, I'll give most of the credit to uh, Crystal Lockman from Axe and Arrow Brewing. Mm-hmm. Um, she put the most effort into this whole thing. But we've, uh, you know, I, I guess I can announce without the paperwork being done, but we have a handshake agreement, an agreement to terms that we are going to reunite the two organizations. And I guess it's great timing to do it with everything that's going on politically. Mm-hmm. Um but we're going through the process right now of rejoining and becoming one organization and having one voice to represent um, all of New Jersey beer within the state and beyond. And I'm very excited for this, you know, this new endeavor uh, to kind of reinvent what these organizations are and what they do. Um, with the merger, I, I'm very, very hopeful that we're going to be able to do more than just politics. And while we've been very effective politically, um, I guess. You know, for, for lack of getting a bill signed at this point, while we've been very effective politically, there's a lot more that we need to offer to the breweries and to the consumers in the state. Um, so this new organization should have more people involved with more volunteer hours that can do things like festivals and uh, symposiums and educational components and really elevate New Jersey craft beer to where it should be and where it can be. Um, so I think the future is very bright now that we have this going, and we should be finalized with the merger by the first of the year, which is ironic because that's the day that the clock goes back to our regulations. Exactly, exactly. And uh, we'll speak about the festivals in just a second. But what uh, will the name will the name change? Will it be the same? It'll you know it'll be will it either be the Brewers Guild or the New Jersey Brewers Association or uh, an amalgam of the two? Yeah, I mean with with the merger, it's the the Brewers Guild of New Jersey is going to remain the uh, the the body. Um, so that will remain the name, and I'm sure at some point we'll get tired of that name as we do every four or five years and change it to something else, right. uh, which it did come up in conversation, and I just said no because it's not something I want to deal right, with right, right. now. Um, so, yeah, it will remain the Brewers Guild of New Jersey, which is I, – I think that really helps with where we are right now because that's – the National Association, the Brewers Association reaches out to us, the politicians, they, they, they know us, they know who we are. So I think that, that really – it helps with the continuity, but at the same time – it does give us the ability to really focus on some new efforts and outreach. I'm, I'm, I'm not shy to say that we've struggled in certain areas. And, you know, I don't think we always communicate very well with our membership and beyond our membership. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and that's been largely with everything we've had going on politically. We've been asking the consumers to, to write letters and, and put up posts and click links and send text messages and all these things. And there's a lot going on. And, you know, trying to make sure everyone's got the most updated info and is aware of everything that's going on now, now being united in one, um, that's going to be a lot easier. And even without the unification being finalized yet, you know, we've got a lot of information coming down from our, our lobbying firm that – I'm taking making sure every brewery has that, and it's the breweries in our group, the breweries in, in that group, and every contact we have in New Jersey beyond that to really make sure everyone's on the same page. We're all working on the same effort. And you know, to this point, I don't think there is any agenda anywhere um, that there are breweries that are working against. We're all trying to get to the same thing. And then, you know, I'm sure there's going to come a time where we might have some competing priorities. We've seen that in more successful states like California. Sure. You know, their guild's got 500 brewery members, and they have subgroups because they have to lobby for different things at different times. We're not there yet. You know, where we think here in New Jersey we have some big brewers and small breweries, we don't. We're all small right. on the national scale. Even our, our largest brewery is still very small. So we've got a lot of work to do before we could worry about things of that nature. And, and speaking of festivals, I got a little inside information, so I'm going to throw this out there to you. Uh, in July, there's going to be a festival that is going to take place uh, I don't want to say central New Jersey because does that really exist? Murphy said it does. I don't think it does. It's in the middle of New Jersey. Let's put it that way. You want to call it South Jersey, you can call it South Jersey. You want to call it North Jersey, that's fine. But um, there's an event that's going to be taking place. First week of July uh, is the tentative date right now, and it's going to be called Brew Jersey, which I think is a really cool idea. All of the beers there will be from New Jersey breweries. There's going to be bands. There's going to be activity. There's going to be all kinds of uh, really – well, let's say 90% of the beers are going to be from New Jersey. Um, but there's going to be a lot of activity, and a lot of this is going to help out the brewers themselves as well as you know educating people about New Jersey beer. Yeah, it's not completely finalized yet because they're still waiting on um, some paperwork and permits to come through, so we can't make a formal announcement on it, I guess. But it is going to be called Brew Jersey Save the Ales. Uh, which is an offshoot of the Brew Jersey Initiative, which was spearheaded by um, uh, Jason Goldstein from uh, Icarus Brewing, uh, soon to be in Brick, New Jersey. Um, and the initial Brew Jersey was um, a beer release that we all did collaboratively throughout the state um, that's had a couple different versions, but the second version being Brew Jersey, sign the bill, fill. Uh, so the festival will be called Brew Jersey, save the ales. Um in the, the preliminary work that we've we've put down for this festival, we do have a lot of fun stuff planned. It will be in July. It's uh, scheduled to be in uh, Branchburg. Um, but we've already gotten commitments from some help from some uh, some heavy hitter friends of ours from out of state that right. want to send some beer and help support us. And, you know, there's a, a big community of brewers. And nationwide, there's a lot of talk about what's going on in New Jersey. There's a lot of talk about you know, from some competitors of craft beer, they see what's going on in New Jersey and they're kind of licking their lips and they think they might be able to um, to scale the clock back in other areas because of how we're kind of being mistreated politically here. So there's there's some concerns around the country about how things can get worse in some of the other states. So we've seen a lot of support from our, our friends in neighboring states and far beyond that want to be involved in this because it's it's really it's time to really modernize brewing, modernize small business, and, and try to get politics out of what we do. 100%. Now, you guys are doing your toy drive for children in the care of YCS, as well as to help out the, uh, 
Which fire department is it that's uh, helping out? Is it Hackensack? Hackensack Fire Department. And anyone who drops off an unwrapped gift from November 15th through December 16th, you're going to get 50% off your first pour. On Friday, December 15th, uh, that evening, the Tiger Man Band is going to perform their Christmas Jams album, which is really cool if you haven't seen those guys. You should definitely come down here and check it out. On Saturday, December 16th, from 5 to 8 p.m., which is the last day of the event, One Man Gathers will perform with local celebrity David Krumholtz, uh, who is Bernard in the Santa Claus franchise. Now, if this bill doesn't get passed, things like this go away, right? Yeah, it's, it's funny. This is the, the prime example of something that we wouldn't be able to do. If we go back to the regulations as they were, we only get 25 special events per year. So we have to pick and choose what events we could actually do. Um, what you just described is going to take up two of those 25 events, and we wouldn't be able to do the, uh, the promotion around the beer for the toy drive. So th- this is a, a thing that's been near and dear to my heart for, for years. We've been doing this toy drive for years before the production facility was open. We used a partner bar for a long time that had a lot more capabilities to encourage people to get in there and drop off toys. Um, I'm expecting this to be the biggest success year. I actually was notified yesterday by Alexis Deegan, who's been involved with our guilds for a long time, who's um, running a volunteer organization out of South Jersey, that her collection has been overabundant, and she's got a lot of collecting, uh, collection points up in my area, so she's going to be able to contribute a lot of additional toys to our toy drive, and that goes directly to support YCS um, and underprivileged families directly in the lower Bergen County area, so everything from Hackensack down through Carlston, where, where we're located. So th- this, 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 this one touches me. This is the most important event that we do every year for me to make sure you know no family in the area um, goes needy for Christmas in one way or another, and I, I hate the idea of not being able to do that or not being able to make it a success. But I think that's what the politicians often don't see. Um, they don't see the, the impact that we have in the community, and they think it's all dollars and cents and everything else that goes into it. And unfortunately, this is the type of thing that, you know, we could do a toy drive again next year, and we have to burn most of our events on it, and we can't do things to make money. Or, you know, by nature of the way the business goes, we have to prioritize money, and all the events go to what – generates the most profit and not does the most good well folks what you can do uh at home there are links everywhere we'll post something on the craft beer cast page we'll post, post something on x that you can click on uh write your legislators if you're in new jersey you live in new jersey it's a simple form you click on it you put in your information you send it off it's a letter it's a form letter that basically says hey we care about the craft brewery industry in the state we'd like you to you know consider these rest- these uh these additions to the bill and to sign off on it and pass it so that Governor Murphy will put a signature on it before December 31st. My guest has been Scott Wells, co-owner of Bolero Snort Brewing, located in Crossstadt, New Jersey. Scott, thanks so much for having me here for a couple of segments today. I uh, really do appreciate it. And congratulations on the guilds, you know, merging again, which is a great deal. And Brew Jersey next year is going to be a blast. And thanks for having me as always. I always appreciate you. You got it. My thanks to everybody involved in the show, including my guests, Scott Wells from Bolero Snort, Jan Chodowski from OMF Brewing in Colorado, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m., this has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.